بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين حبيب إله العالمين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما أما بعد Inshallah, today we will be discussing the chapter on the prohibition of having high expectations. And as we learned previously, it is very interesting to find that this chapter comes in between two other chapters. The one before it being reflection on following funeral uh, reflection on following fun funeral buyers. Or beers. And the one after it, the chapter after it is on the on remembering death. And so what is the, the first thing we need to ask ourselves before we begin this chapter is what is the relationship? What is the relationship of having high expectations with death? Such that the author would bring a chapter before it and a chapter after it having to do with death. And so the answer to this question is that generally the human being has high expectations, long hopes, great, lavish desires because they have forgotten death, because they have lost touch with reality. They don't remember where they are. They don't remember where they're going. And they're caught up. They're caught up in their, in their lives in their busy schedules. And so the author wants to remind us, the author wants to remind us about this reality, that when we find ourselves in, in this situation, what we need to do is we need to do muraqaba, muraqaba of death. We'll begin the chapter, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu narrates, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هذا ابن آدم وهذا أجله ووضع يده عند قفاه ثم بسط يده فقال ثم أجله وثم أمله The Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم said This is man and this is his death He placed his hand on his neck and then stretched his, his arm out and said His death is here and his expectations are here Meaning his death is close to him, and yet his expectations go very far. We find that in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he describes this world, he does not describe it as a place where the human being is meant to live forever. Nor is it a place where the human being is supposed to uh, bring out and fulfill all of their desires. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when talking about this world, he talks about it as a place as a testing ground, he talks about it as a place of ibtila, a place of trials and tribulations, a place for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to determine who truly seeks the life of the hereafter, the life that is a reality, and who is engrossed in their vain and material desires. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, when he's describing the world, how does he describe it? 
He says, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا مَتَاعُ He says, the life of this world compared, the, compared to the hereafter is like a short moment. A short moment that passes. We, we know the famous example, this life is like the rider who takes shade under a tree. And then he moves on. This is not the place where people are supposed to become busy. No one forgets the, desti- the end destination because they are busy in the, in the terminal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, when He describes this world, He says, This world is a deception. This world makes us feel as though it is real. But the true life is the life of the hereafter. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهُ وَلَعِبُ وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ This life is nothing but fun and games, a deception. The true life, al-hayawan, the true life is the life of the hereafter. This is in the Qur'an. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to draw, wants to draw our attention to this reality. And so, as we're talking about high expectations, we need to keep this in mind that at the end of the day, the desires of man are the desires of eternity. Human beings came from Jannah. Human beings are creatures that have eternal souls that were meant for eternity. In the Akhirah, the human being will never, will never taste death. Death is something of this world. And so our desires are the same. We seek the pleasures of eternity in this world. And yet we have to remind ourselves that this world was not meant for that. This world cannot provide us that. We will read another hadith or a saying of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. He said, إِنَّمَا أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمْ إِثْنَيْنَ طُولُ الْأَمَلِ وَاتِّبَاعَ الْهَوَىٰ فَإِنَّ طُولَ الْأَمَلِ يُنْسِ الْآخِرَةِ وَإِنَّ اتِّبَاعَ الْهَوَىٰ يَصُدُّ عَنِ الْحَقِّ وَإِنَّ الدُّنْيَا قَدْ ارْتَحَلَتْ مُدْبِرَةِ وَالْآخِرَةُ مُقْبِلَةِ وَلِكُلِّ وَاحِدَةٍ مِّنْهُمَا بَنُونَ فَكُونُوا مِنْ أَبْنَاءِ الْآخِرَةِ وَلَا تَكُونُوا مِنْ أَبْنَاءِ الدُّنْيَا فَإِنَّ الْيَوْمَ عَمَلٌ وَلَا حِسَابٌ وَغَدًا حِسَابٌ وَلَا عَمَلٌ علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه said I fear two things for you High expectations and pursuing desires. High expectations make one forget the next world, and pursuing desires bars one from the truth. This world is retreating. The next world is coming. Each of them has followers. So be from the followers of the Akhirah, and do not be from the followers of the dunya. Today there is an action without reckoning, but tomorrow there will be reckoning and no action. And this is a very eloquent reminder. And so having heard yesterday and today about death and the reality of death and how we shouldn't have these long expectations for this world, the answer or the question comes that, so what should we do? How should we treat this world? What is the reality of our existence here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very clear in the Qur'an. And this is, the Qur'an is filled with these messages. And Ramadan is the month of the Qur'an. And so we should try to read and ponder and contemplate upon these verses. One, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ حَرْثَ الْآخِرَةِ نَزِدْ لَهُ فِي حَرْثِهِ 
ومن كان يريد حرث الدنيا نؤته منها وما له في الآخرة من نصيب Whoever wants the harvest of the hereafter we will grant him ability and we will grant him what he desires ومن كان يريد حرث الدنيا نؤته منها Whoever wants the harvest of this world as well he will get what he desires but he will have no share in the hereafter Another verse with the same meaning من كان يريد العاجلة عجلنا له فيها ما نشاء لمن نريد ثم جعلنا له جهنم يصلاها مذموما مدحورا Whoever desires this quickly ending life Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this dunya as al-ajila the thing that passes very quickly it does not remain it is very short lived its in, its enjoyments are short lived as well says ajalna lahu fiha ma nasha'u liman nurid we will give whoever we desire what we desire meaning everyone will get their allotted portion everyone's sustenance what they will receive in this world has been written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everyone will receive their allotted portion thumma ja'alna lahu jahannam but in the hereafter he will have nothing but fire and torment and suffering وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنْ فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا Rather, whoever desires the hereafter وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا And he makes the effort and he puts in the work وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنْ And he is a believer Then verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him for his actions كُلَّنْ نُمِدُّ هَؤُلَاءِ وَهَؤُلَاءِ مِنْ عَطَاءِ رَبِّكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives both the disbelievers and the believers from the stuff of this world, from the commodities of this world. وَمَا كَانَ عَطَاءُ رَبِّكَ مَحْذُورًا أُنظُرْ كَيْفَ فَضَّلْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ My dear brothers, everyone gets the material of this world. It has no significance. لَوْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا تَعْدِلُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ جَنَاحَ بَعُوضَةً مَا سَقَى كَافِرًا شَرْبَةَ مَا This world means nothing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the righteous people, the pious actions, the, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who implement the deen. Those are the things that have, that have value and that have virtue. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلَّهِ الْعِزَّةُ وَلِرَسُولِهِ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Verily, all honor and dignity belongs to Allah and His Prophet and to the believers. And so having heard these things, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this life, <clears throat> I want to talk about how we can connect this to the month of Ramadan. How can we practically implement what we learn in this lesson, the the concept of death and that it is coming, the concept of not having long and lavish desires for this world in such a way that it makes us forget the hereafter. And so inshallah we can discuss this in light of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam when he says, كُلُّ عَمَلِ ابْنِ آدَمَ لَهُ إِلَّا الصِّيَامِ فَإِنَّهُ لِي وَأَنَا أَجْزِي بِهِ وَالصِّيَامُ جُنَّةِ وَإِذَا كَانَ يَوْمَ صَوْمِ أَحَدِكُمْ فَلَا يَرْفُثْ وَلَا يَصْخَبْ فَإِنْ سَابَهُ أَحَدٌ أَوْ قَاتَلَهُ فَلْيَقُلْ إِنِّي امْرُؤٌ صَائِمٌ وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمَّدٍ بِيَدِهِ لَخَلُوفُ فَمِ الصَّائِمِ أَطْيَبُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ ذِيحِ الْمِسْكِ لِلصَّائِمِ فَرْحَتَانِ يَفْرَحُهُمَا إِذَا أَفْطَرَ فَرِحَ وَإِذَا لَقِيَ رَبَّهُ فَرِحَ بِصَوْمِهِ This is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam says All the deeds of the son of Adam is for him Meaning he may get some reward 
some recognition for it in this world, except for fasting. For verily it is for me, it is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa ana bihi, I am the one who will give the complete reward for this fasting. Fasting has a great virtue. And because no one sees you fasting, if you're praying in the masjid, there's fear that someone, the person beside you, the person in front of you, they may look at you and so your intention may change. You make your salah longer, some riya comes into your action. But fasting, no one can see. No one can tell. Are you fasting or not? And so this action is such that it is possible very easily to do it sincerely for the sake of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we will learn, as we move on, Ramadan and fasting is not just about staying away from food and drink. There is much more to fasting. And so keep that in mind. The hadith continues, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَالصِّيَامُ جُنَّةِ Siyam fasting is a shield for you. It is a protection for you from committing sins. وَإِذَا كَانَ يَوْمَ صَوْمِ أَحَدِكُمْ When you are fasting, the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, do not speak ill speech, do not speak lewd talk, and do not fight and argue. And if anyone argues with you, or fights with you, then you should say, Verily I am fasting Or you should merely turn away from that person It is not behooving of a person who is fasting To engage in such ignorant speech And useless talk And then Rasulullah takes an oath on his life And he says Verily the fragrance of the mouth of the fasting person is better in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the most exquisite of perfumes. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ended with this very powerful and deep statement. He said, Verily the fasting person has two happy moments, two moments of great happiness. One is when he breaks his fast and he has iftar. And the other one, the other moment of great happiness will be when he meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he sees the great reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for him on that day. What does fasting mean for us? We have all probably heard that the day of fasting is actually a reflection and a metaphor for the life of the human being. And this is actually similar for many, many actions of worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fard upon us. And these worship, these actions that we do, salah, siyam, hajj, these things actually have great depth and great wisdom. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them injunctions in deen, why they are fara'id, why we do them, why are they as they are, there's great depth. And so we should strive to learn the deeper meanings of our faith, the deeper aspects of even the ritual worship that we do. And so one example that we'll take is fasting. Fasting, not only is it staying away from food and drink, but as we read through the ahadith of Rasulullah we find that it is an entire regimen, a whole program for the human being. A program as to how the Muslim should ideally live their life. From beginning to end, a life of virtue, a life of great character, a life of nobility, the life that will enter him into Jannah. 
And so when we understand fasting and Ramadan in this way, Ramadan is a regimen for us, it is a program for us to, for one month, live the ideal Muslim life. Live the ideal life which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see from us throughout our lives. But when we practice it for one day, for one fast, when we practice it for 30 days, it allows us not only to see that we can actually do it, it is possible, but also to develop that habit day after day in Ramadan. And this is why how we behave in Ramadan should continue throughout our lives. This is an opportunity for us to see how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want me to live my life. And so, a successful day of fasting is a day in which not only we abstain from food and drink, but we follow all the injunctions, the sunan, the adab, the etiquette, in, one personal, in, one's, in one's personal actions and also in relation to other people. And we see then that if we see fasting in this way, then death becomes something that is a cause for happiness. Just as the person is happy when he is doing iftar, so the person that has lived their life according to the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to how they were supposed to lead their lives, when death comes to this person, this person, it is not a moment of terror and fear and sorrow for them. Death for the person who has lived their life as they should have, just as the person who fasts the whole day as they should have, death for that person is a moment of great happiness. They are looking forward to Jannah and the pleasures of Jannah and the bliss of Jannah, the worries and the trials and torment of this world being removed from their shoulders. They are... They are waiting for that moment when they can be united with their beloved, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَا إِنَّ أَوْلِيَاءَ اللَّهِ لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ لَهُمُ الْبُشْرَى فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ The friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have nothing to fear before they die. Nor will they be sad after they die. They will be happy with what they see. Those people who believe and they have taqwa. And as we know, Ramadan is the month of taqwa. The month to, to inculcate this quality of taqwa into our lives. They have glad tidings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world and in the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, The people who say we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then they live their lives how they should. They live their lives how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants them to. Like the person who spends the day of Ramadan as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants him to. What is the reward for this person? The angels descend upon them. Do not fear. Do not be sad. Do not be sorrowful at the moment of death. Be happy. Take glad tidings of the Jannah that is waiting for you for the paradise, for that life in which there is no fear and there is no sorrow and there is only eternal bliss and there is presence and meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why it is important that we take our mind away from a very superficial 
interpretation and understanding of what it means to fast and we pay attention to what Rasulullah has told us about, about this day. There are so many ahadith in which Rasulullah is addressing the individual actions that we do in Ramadan. He's addressing the communal actions that we do in Ramadan. Each and everything has been explained. And again, it is so that we can live the whole day as if it is our whole life. So that we can use this as a program as a regimen, as a diet for us, such that after these 30 days, we come out and we have made that habit of how to live a life every day, every moment, in our own personal actions, in interacting with people out there in the world, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to. For example, one hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is, مَن لَمْ يَدْعَ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمَلَ بِهِ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَةً this is about the month of Ramadan. The person who does not leave lewd talk, inappropriate speech in Ramadan, and he does not leave such actions as well, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in need that this person should leave his food and drink. How powerful is this hadith? This tells us that Ramadan, not only is it about leaving food and drink, and these have deep meanings as well, not only in sympathizing with the poor, feeling how the lowest in the ummah feels, the least fortunate in the ummah feels, not only in telling us how we should stay away from gluttony, this source of, of a lot of evil and bad habits when a person fills their, fills their stomach and they are used to fulfilling all their desires and whatever their, their shahwa, whatever their base desires call towards, this person will not have the, the self-control to stay away from sins. The self-control to force their nafs to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are not feeling like doing that. So that is one of the benefits of staying away from food. It teaches us self-control. It teaches us sympathy of less fortunate. It breaks our hearts, makes it softer, makes it easier to cry in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there are also many other things in Ramadan. One example is what we just mentioned. Leaving bad talk, lewd talk, and actions, bad actions. It's to the extent that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying that a person who continues to speak ill and continues to be engaged in bad action, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need him to stay away from food and drink. This is metaphorical, of course. We must stay away, stay away from food and drink in Ramadan. But it is to stress the importance that it is not only that, but it, there are other aspects and other dimensions to our fast in Ramadan as well. Another hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, he says, there are people who fast. They do not gain anything from their fasting except hunger. And there are people who stay awake at night in salah. And yet do, they do not gain anything from their standing in salah at night except lack of sleep, deprivation of sleep. What is this hadith trying to tell us? It is telling us that there are people who fast, stay away from food and drink, but they do not stay away from sins. They do not stay away from the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not eat chicken and meat, and yet they are feasting on the meat of their brothers by backbiting them and slandering them. 
As we know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَيُحِبُّ أَحَدُكُمْ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ لَحْمَ أَخِيهِ مَيْتًا فَكَرِهْتُمُوهُ The person who backbites is like one who is feasting and eating on the meat of his dead brother. So it is not behooving of the Muslim who is fasting that they should stay away from food and drink and yet partake of these bad actions. And the same for the person staying awake at night, standing in salah. He is standing in salah, he is sacrificing his sleep, and yet, this salah does not prevent him from fahsha' wal munkar. What is the purpose of salah? One of the great purposes of salah, as described by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, in the Quran, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Verily, salah is supposed to stop the person from illicit deeds, from, from inappropriate actions. So what is to be said about the salah of a person whose salah does not prevent him from bad, bad actions? He prays, and yet he backbites and slanders. He cheats, and he lies. This is not the salah of the true Muslim, of the true mu'min, of the true believer. This is not the standard of salah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. There is more to salah. There is more to siyam, fasting. And so we should make Ramadan a month in which we devote ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely. A month to break our nafs, a month to tame our desires, a month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this easy for us. The shayateen are locked up. There's an environment of spirituality, of religious religi religiosity, devotion. And so we should take advantage of these times. We should take advantage of this month. This month should be for us a representation of how we should live our entire lives. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a khutbah in Ramadan, when Ramadan came, he said, أَتَاكُمْ رَمَضَانْ شَهْرُ بَرَكَةِ يَغْشَاكُمُ اللَّهُ فِيهِ فَيُنزِلُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَيَحُطُّ الْخَطَايَا وَيَسْتَجِيبُ فِيهِ الدُّعَاءِ يَنظُرُ اللَّهُ إِلَى تَنَافُسِكُمْ فِيهِ وَيُبَاهِ بِكُمْ مَلَائِكَتَهِ فَأَ he says, Ramadan has come to you. The month of Ramadan is upon you. And we, alhamdulillah, are in the, in the midst, in the middle of Ramadan. The ten days of mercy have passed. The ten days of forgiveness are, are upon us. And so this, this speech of Rasulullah is ever more pertinent for us. Rasulullah is saying the month of Ramadan is upon you. It is a month of blessings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy covers and covers you and descends upon you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives sins in this month. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers prayers in this month. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at your competition in virtue. And this is one of the parts that I want to highlight. Rasulullah say, is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at your competition in this month towards virtue and towards good deeds and towards obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we should create in our homes, in our masajid, in our communities, this feeling of competition. Who can do more ibadah? Who can read more Quran? Who can do more tilawah? Who is better at staying away from sins, staying away from idle talk, from backbiting and slandering? We should compete with each other in these things. وَيُبَاهِ بِكُمْ مَلَائِكَتَهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala boasts about you to his angels when he sees this from you. فَأَرَوُ اللَّهَ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ خَيْرًا Show Allah the best that you can do. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling us, commanding us, encouraging us. He is saying, 
Put your best foot forward. Do the best actions. Show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the best of who you are in this month. Prove yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Prove yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنَّ الشَّقِيَّ مَنْ حُرِمَ فِيهِ رَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ Verily the wretched person is the person who does not attain the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this month. My dear brothers, the greatest manifestation of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives is that He gives us steadfastness on the deen. He gives us strength to follow deen throughout the year. He gives us tawfiq to obey Him and to worship Him. This is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the greatest honor of the believer, the greatest honor of the human that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses him and accepts him to worship him and to turn towards him. My dear brothers, we should find material, the ahadith in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam describes to us the actions of Ramadan. Because there is so much more there are so many actions that, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam describes in detail in the hadith about how to spend the day of Ramadan, how the month of Ramadan should be spent. Quran, dhikr, fasting, dua, salah, feeding the poor, feeding the fasting, staying away from, li from lying, from lewd talk, from fighting, all these things, there are specific ahadith specially geared towards the month of Ramadan and these actions. I will read a few of these hadiths just so that we get this perspective that Rasulullah actually made Ramadan an entire system, an entire program, a rehabilitation for the Muslim. That perhaps the past year was spent not how we would have liked, not in, in a manner that was befitting of the mu'min, not in a manner pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but now here is a system. One example, so we know Qur'an. Ramadan is the month of Qur'an. Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed. There's a great and very intimate connection between the Qur'an and Ramadan. But I'll read some ahadith anyway. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, As-siyamu wal-Qur'anu yashfa'ani lil-abdi yawm al-qiyamah yaqulu siyam ay rabbi manatuhu al-ta'ama wal-shahawat bin-nahar fashaffi'ani fihi wa yaqulu al-Qur'an manatuhu al-nawma bil-layl fashaffi'ani fihi qal fayushaffa'an Fasting and Qur'an will come on the day of judgment and intercede for the person. The fast will say, Oh Allah, I prevented him from eating and drinking this month. So please accept my intercession for this person and enter him into Jannah. The Qur'an will come and say, Oh Allah, I deprived him of sleep in this month of Ramadan, so please accept my intercession for him. And so Rasulullah said, their intercession will be accepted. Another hadith of Rasulullah he says, Dhaakirullahi ta'ala, aw dhaakirullaha ta'ala fi Ramadan maghfurun lahu wa sa'ilullah ta'ala fihi la yakhib. The person who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, in the month of Ramadan is forgiven. And the person who asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for anything in the month of Ramadan, he will find that the doors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's bounties are open. He will never leave empty-handed. This is another aspect of Ramadan. Dua, dhikr, Quran, fasting. What else is there? مَنْ سَقَى صَائِمًا سَقَاهُ اللَّهُ مِنْ حَوْضِي شَرْبَةً لَا يَظْمَأْ حَتَّى يَدْخُلَ الْجَنَّةِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, the person who gives a fasting person a drink of water, I will quench his thirst from my hold on the day of judgment 
in such a manner that he will not feel thirsty and he will enter Jannah in this, in this manner. Rasulullah will give person, the, the person to, to drink for his giving water to quench the thirst of a fasting person. Here's another aspect of Ramadan. What else is there? Rasulullah encouraged us to increase in four actions in the month of Ramadan. He said, Do four things in the month of Ramadan profusely. We should frequent saying La ilaha illallah. We should frequent in the month of Ramadan saying La ilaha illallah. We should frequent istighfar. We should frequent asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Jannah and seeking refuge for Him from Him from Jahannam. Rasulullah said these are four, four things we should do profusely in the month of Ramadan. And so I will end this by saying that as we see from these few ahadith, and this is a very few ahadith that I brought from the enormous corpus of ahadith of Rasulullah pertaining to the month of Ramadan. So this is something that we should actively pursue to read the ahadith to read the regimen and the program that Rasulullah set for us in this month of Ramadan. All these actions that we, we just heard that Rasulullah is talking to us about and telling us to do. This is what Ramadan is. This is what our day in Ramadan should look like. This is what our night in Ramadan should look like. And our lives should be an extension of what we just heard. Just a last point so that we understand the depth that the actions that we do in religion have. My dear brothers, Islam is a worldview. It is our philosophy. It is how we look at the world, we look at creation, we look at what came before us and what will come after us. This is our understanding of the universe. And so everything that is in this universe, we tie it back to religion, we tie it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it how it is for a reason. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most wise. Nothing is out of place. He created the perfect system. My dear brothers, in salah we see that salah is a program for the human being at the individual and personal level on how they should live their whole lives. How is that? In salah, I say what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to say. I can't say whatever I want. When I'm supposed to read Qur'an, I read Qur'an. When I'm supposed to do dhikr, I do dhikr. When I'm supposed to say the dua, I do the dua. This is how my salah is. I control my nafs. Everything is in line with how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to live. Not only my speech, but my actions as well. I move as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to move. The, the sajda is not before the ruku'ah. The qiyam is not after the, the tahiyyah. Everything is in its place. I have submitted my soul, myself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh Allah, I will live my life as you desire. Not only that, but our heart, our thoughts are where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants them to be. I am not thinking about my time in the market, about my time at work, at home, in salah. No, that is the time for me to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see that salah is this sort of program that we described at the individual level. How your whole life should be. How our whole life should be in tune with the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In siyam, in fasting, we see that it takes it a step further. Not only is it an individual regimen, but it, is, it also adds the social aspect to it. What does this mean? For example, in fasting, we control ourselves, we hold back from eating and drinking. And this already has certain 
social yani relations, staying away from food, creates that relationship with the poor, with the less fortunate, softens our heart, all these things. But what else? So there are individual aspects in fasting. That is, for example, reciting Qur'an excessively, staying away from, uh, from, from our personal vices, you know, staying away from food and drink. But we see that fasting also has a social aspect that, Quran, that praying, for example, doesn't. But the, the worship of fasting adds it. For example, what? Feeding the poor, giving people water to drink, staying away from, bad, from evil talk, not backbiting and slandering. It creates that whole package, not only in the masjid, how you're supposed to behave, but outside, in your work, at home, in the community, how you should behave. And then the third example I'll give is hajj. Hajj takes it even a step further than fast. Not only is it individual and communal, but hajj is a representation of the ummah at large. How we should be, how we should be spending our lives, not only individually in obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, communally in obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also as an ummah, united, one purpose, going around the Kaaba together. We are created, we live only to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قُلْ salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alameen Everything I do, my individual, my social, my communal, work and deeds and worship, everything is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to benefit from what we have heard and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He wants us to worship Him and to really learn from this month of Ramadan and leave this month of Ramadan in such a state that we have rectified and reformed our entire lives. Inshallah, we will have some dhikr followed by a quick dua. جزاكم الله خيرا سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك الله وبحمده استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه 
لا إله إلا الله 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 يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين يا راحم المساكين يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ارحمنا وبفضلك لا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين اللهم ارحمنا وبفضلك لا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واستر لنا عيوبنا لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والفعل والنية والعمل والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ارحمنا اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا أو الله in this blessed month of Ramadan allow us to live these moments allow us to live these moments as you would like us to spend our entire lives ya Allah allow us to practice upon your commandments upon the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam ya Allah teach us the spirit of Islam the spirit of Ramadan ya Allah fill our hearts with your love and the love of your prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam and the and the love of the pious predecessors O oh Allah, teach us. Ya Allah, give us knowledge and guidance. Ya Allah, forgive our sins. Ya Allah, we have so many sins. We are sinners, Ya Allah. Please forgive us. Allow us to rectify ourselves. Give us tawfiq to follow our deen in the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Away from innovations, away from sins, away from our own desires. O oh Allah, give, give us control. Control over our nafs in this month. Allow us to learn from these actions, from these worships that you have prescribed upon us. Ya Allah, forgive us and accept us and have mercy on us. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين آمين